Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dune Hippie Podcast. Episode number two, this is going to be featuring Alex and Jim. Um, I can't pronounce their last name, I'm going to try it. Um, Alex and Jim are some uh, paramotor pilots, and if you've gotten the chance to see them fly their paramotors over the top of the dunes, uh, then you might know who I'm talking about. There's not many people around that uh, head out to the dunes with some paramotors and fly around. So they are also some Duners. They got some bikes, and they have kind of grown up. Their background comes from the Dune background, um, and that's kind of why they choose to fly. They they spend some some of their time up here, so they bring their paramotors with them and choose to fly up here over the dunes. So I uh, only got to meet them the morning of this conversation. I've only ever seen them in the air out there a few times, so it was really cool to get to meet them. I got to watch them kind of set their rigs up, take off, and actually spent a little bit more time watching them uh, do some flying, and uh, it's pretty incredible the things they can do with those machines and how they use them, and it's pretty uh, cool that it's also a father-son relationship. It's something that they get to do together, and uh, some of the stories they get into here on this episode, uh, it really kind of, you really get to feel that some of the moments that they get to share together, they really uh, have kind of a special bond then. It's pretty unique that they have this uh, activity and hobby that they get to do together, and they uh, get to do it over top of some dunes and some other great places. So this episode is Alex and Jim, and thanks for listening. With that, we'll go ahead and get started, I guess, and uh, with, we'll just get started with, I guess, what your name is and what you do exactly. All right, uh, I'm Alex, um, and this is my dad, Jim. Uh, we like to fly paramotors around Silver Lake Sand Dunes. <laughs> so, yeah, getting, uh, there's, uh, I guess, yeah, I've seen you out there a couple times flying around and buzzing around, but what more, in, kind of the background, did you get into, like, Silver Lake because of that, or did you get more involved because of the dunes and, like, the ORV side before you ever got into the paramotor side? Uh, well, back when I was younger, we always used to come up here. Um, we only ever took like dirt bikes and trucks up in the dunes. Um, but in the past three years or so, I got into paramotoring and, uh, I flew a lot before I had come up here, but now that we have a place up here, we've been flying around the dunes a lot more just cause we have the place. Um, I've been doing, uh, I'm 60 now. I've been doing since, uh, mid to late seventies coming up when the parking lot was completely different and the approach hill and exit hill was all the same and it was way smaller and and we just had, you know, crappy stuff we put together ourselves. And uh so I've been riding up here for quite a while. Uh but we've always wanted another place and so we finally got a place up here and and we decided this is also a really sweet place to fly. Yeah, so, yeah, the history is more of just in the dune side, and then what kind of stuff do you have now that you, like, take out on the dunes? You said you had a bike? Yeah, I have a YZF250. He has a CR250. Um, then we have a couple friends that keep their bikes up here as well, um, like a CR125. And then um, also my in-laws have a Ranger, um, and then we just recently bought a Jeep as well. Okay, so yeah, you're doing it from all aspects of uh, yeah, yep. seeing Silver Lake yep. from the sky. We fly over and... top of it, and we fly over top of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, in the next couple of years, we'll have a long travel. Um, 
Yeah, kind of the progression of the yeah. dude progression of... I've already got one picked out, and the guy is <laughs> holding on to it until I can afford oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You're all ready to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that one's mine. I need it. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't take it. long. Yeah, if you've got a place up here and you're staying here, you might as well be out there. Yep, exactly. So, with the flying stuff, then what's kind of the process of what, you know, how you got started of... You know, you said, Alex, you got involved in it first, and then that's what got your dad out of it. My, my assumption was backwards. I had assumed I was like, oh, his dad must be one of those guys that has been doing this for all forever, and then you got old enough and got into it. But no, it was backwards. You got started first. Yeah, a few years ago, uh, we had actually talked about like getting into flying gyrocopters before even paramotors because we figured, you know, you can fly in a lot more wind with gyrocopters. Um, but we never pulled the trigger on anything. Um so my boss started flying paramotors, and I went with him to a field one time because I wanted to just check it out at least. Uh, so he showed me how to kite the, the parachute, or the wing is what we call it, and um, I got a little bit of practice with that, and then he actually strapped his motor on and went flying, and after I saw that, I immediately started looking, you know, looking more into it and saw that it was feasible and I could afford something like that and, you know, get into it. So I... You know, not too long after that, I had bought a motor and a parachute and got some training and started flying. And then about a year, uh, maybe about a year after that. About a year, yeah. He said, Dad, you got to do this. Dad, you got to come up. And I'm like, I I don't know because I got that whole motor on my back and I got to run with it. And I'm kind of in good shape, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And I thought, I'm not sure if I can pull that wing up and get it running and and take off so they said well there's trikes you can use four wheelers or trikes uh but it's a lot bigger to store and it takes a lot more room to take off and there's a lot you're more limited on where you can land and take off is that something like you're more sitting in it you you sit in it and you set it out behind you and you just give it the throttle and it pops up and you run and take off so uh, you're a lot more limited than foot launch. Foot launch, mm-hmm. you can, you know, if you have to, you can come down almost anywhere, yep. uh, you know, uh, except for deep water. But uh, I, I'm like, I don't I don't know if I can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And so <laughs> I strapped a motor on and I got a little bit of training and by God, I can. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of, what, I'm pretty curious what the training is like to get to the point of, did you learn a lot of knowledge like through the training of it or is it something you researched on your own, learned a lot about and then, Wait and get. Do you have to get like certified or something like that? There, you don't have to get certified for anything. Um, what a lot of people do, which is not something we recommend, is um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people people uh, doing like self teaching themselves. They'll buy a motor, they'll do a little bit of research, and then they'll try fly it. And I've heard of stories that have, you know, gone really bad because of that. But um, what I did is I bought the um, PPG Bible, which is pretty much, you know, most everything that you need to know um, about paragliding. And not only that, but also get training from a person. There's there's courses you can take that are a week long. Um, I did a little bit of a faster course because I had done a lot of research and a lot of kite practice before I even went up. But uh, I did have a, a guy train me and my dad um, for our first couple flights. So, uh, yeah, it was... You know, you learn a lot by reading, but you also learn a lot from the guy teaching you. Um, so you, what you save, you save money um, through the training. Well, you spend money through the training, but what you spend there, you're going to save in the long run. As far as you know, act, 
making ac- or having accidents or ha- um, problems like um, breaking equipment or hurting yourself or something yeah. like that. And as far as like, I don't even know what you would classify, but like air hobbies, you're flying in the air, but it's one of the, like the more safer ones as far as like skydiving bait. Once you start comparing to anybody using a chute, cause you're already in a chute when you take off from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the landing is uh, kind of softer. You know, your speed is slower. Your glide ratio is very long. So if you do have an engine out, there's places you can go. But yeah, training is the, the good idea for it is, uh, it's all about safety. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's not teaching you how to fly. It's teaching you what not to do. Yep. And how to stay away from issues. So then what too, like, what about like wind? Well, yeah. How big is like wind involved of what you're doing of like scouting where you're wind? Do you want wind? Do you not want wind? So what makes like Silver Lake such a great place to fly? Is it just the scenery of it or is there actually like good wind that comes off of the, off the lake too? Most, mostly Silver Lake is good for the scenery. Um, I like flying when it's completely dead. Uh, it makes the launching and landing a little bit more difficult. Um, but the flying itself is a lot more fun when it's really calm. Um, but when you're launching and landing, you, a uh, little bit of a headwind definitely helps a lot. Um, but we don't like to fly in anything, you know, more than like five or 10 miles an hour. Um, especially if it's gusty, then it kind of throws you, throws you around the turbulence. Okay. Um, so that's not ideal to fly in. It's not that much fun. You can do it to a certain extent, but it takes a lot of the fun out and it can be dangerous if it's bad enough. Um, but if it's a laminar wind, which is just like a steady constant wind up, up higher, that's not too bad to fly in. Cause it's, you know, it's not throwing you around or. Uh, okay. not as da- not near as dangerous. So I've flown, you know, about 15 miles an hour or so, but that's like pretty much where I draw the line. Of distance you've flown? Uh, no, of uh, wind speed. Oh, okay. 15 miles an hour. I gotcha. Yeah. So compared to Silver Lake and then where's you guys have gone on a lot of places other than Silver Lake together and flown, what kind of other places have you been and fl- flown and seen and checked out? Um, I've been to louisiana recently um we just had the hurricane down there i was working down there um so i got the chance to fly over all the wreckage and see all the houses and cars and everything underwater uh the whole town was vacant so it was kind of crazy to see you know just all the debris everywhere and um yeah you got some amazing amazing video out of that yeah Yep. Yeah, just flying over stuff that uh, nobody's around because everybody's either evacuated or hunkered down, or you know the houses aren't livable and there's no power, and and obviously there's nobody up in the air. So he got a chance to go right up right after the hurricane was done because he was there during the hurricane. It's crazy. Yeah, something that there used to be thousands of people and now it's underwater and nobody around, Mm -hmm. and you're buzzing around in the air over it. Yeah, it's gonna be wild. So also Utah. Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, last summer made a trip down to, uh, well, we were staying in uh, Telluride, Colorado, Colorado, and staying over the, uh, uh, in the mountains there. But we, it's only a short drive down to Moab, Utah, and that's where the Colorado River runs right through. What are they at? About 4,000 feet right there, the Colorado River? Mm-hmm. It was about that high. So we went two tracking south of it a little ways and found a place to launch uh, down in the mountains and the crevices, and that was, that's like, yeah, where else do you fly now after that? that that, that's really the, cool. That's one of the like top places to fly on a lot of 
paramotor pilots people's bucket list on their and list knocked yeah it out already yep and, and that was, was i had i had always out. been wanting to do that since day one and since i've seen people fly around through the canyon and under the corona arch and stuff so is that one of those things so there's do you prefer like flying low versus like being way up higher elevations where you you're flying to check scenery out right mainly so like something like that are you you're actually down in like canyon walls flying through and checking it out Yep. Oh, yeah. We're getting, you know, all the way down anywhere from, like, 10 foot off the ground up to a 1,000, usually not higher than that, just because the scenery is so much better when you're down low. You can, you know, and it's just a ton of fun. It's like, you feel like Superman. <laughs> yeah, you're flying right now. It's really cool because, you know, it's such a slow-moving machine. Yeah. That even if you do go a little bit up there, uh, you get a chance to just absorb what you're looking at. Yeah, because you're not just whizzing by it and done. Yeah, you know, you're just hanging there and you're checking it out. Uh, Parachute, boom, you're down. You know, Uh, helicopter, you you know, you got to move on. You got this whole cage around you, this bubble, and it restricts your view. Now you're basically in a lawn chair with nothing around you. Yeah, your peripheral view and awareness is up, down, everywhere. Real good visibility. Yeah. Plus, you're going slow and you just hang out. And so, I mean, as far as height goes, a lot of our time is just spent foot dragging because we like to go right down to the ground and drag our feet. Yep. Is that like coming over ponds and stuff with people? Mm-hmm. I've seen that before yeah, where they'll can, skim across a pond. Can, or Yeah, you can kind of stand on the water and skim across it with your feet. That's pretty fun. Oh, geez. Yeah. What happens? Have you ever gone too deep and gone for a dip straight in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Why do you say that? Yeah, last summer there was an incident. <laughs> we, we had, uh, I had one of my friends from the east side of the state come over and fly with us, and he, he was actually flying around Silver Lake at, or uh, in the dunes there foot dragging through some water and he got a little too low and ended up kind of snagging his motor and he ended up going in the water luckily it was only you know knee deep but when you land in water and your uh, parachute lands in water it gets really wet which makes it really really heavy which also makes it pretty much impossible to launch again so if he was able to get out of the water and like kite his wing to dry land and land it he probably could have taken off but his wing was so wet that he had to load it up into a friend's truck and then they drove him out of there but uh this is the big flats area as you're heading like to the exit okay you, like where they and, used and to just, drag race just back before you turn left and head up the okay, exit yeah, okay right in big huge flat area where there's a big pond and he just did a face plant <laughs> yep. i mean biffed it right into the water i can imagine oh my gosh suction, we were, it sucked him right in we were laughing so hard talking to him see because we got comms so we're up okay. in the air you're watching this from him. above yeah yeah and alex is telling him you got to get out of there because you're not allowed to land in unstable land. <laughs> we can fly over, but we can't land or take off on state land. So oh. You got to get out of there. So he's quick setting his wing up and he's trying to, He, you know, other guys are flying over, not flying, tr- trucking over and you need help. No, I'm fine. Sets his wing up. Right, I'm I'm circling above watching this, and he gets his motor started again, and he tries to pop it up in the air, and he's just dragging it across the sand. It's so wet, <laughs> just dragging it. So, so we're like, you gotta hide, you gotta hide. So there's this one big chunk of driftwood, and it's just an old stump, right? And I see him grab up his wing, and he's running behind this driftwood, and he's peeking out both sides, wondering if the DNR is coming. I'm just cracking off, up in the air. <laughs> oh, that's so, one of our friends. Got 
got runs out there and it took a half hour you know to get by the time you get there load them up in a truck and haul, haul out of there you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. so that's the example of what not to do that's not right. how you pound skim right no, exactly no. um he became pound scum but yeah um the other thing about water is um i think something you never want to do is fly over like deeper water if you don't have flotation um because the number one cause of deaths in flying is uh people drowning and not having flotation when you're flying so if if you go down in water your motor takes you right down if you're yeah if you if you land in water with your motor attached to you it, it's so you're harnessed in and you can't you know there's all kinds of buckles you got to get uh, off get before undone. you can actually you know try to start swimming so it just takes you down right away so whenever i'm flying over any kind of water i have a co2 life jacket which is like it's pretty compact it just goes around your neck um and then it's got a handle on it you just pull it and it inflates you and that will keep you up okay it has like the co2 cartridges yeah in it that, yep, that inflate. inflates the whole thing and that will keep okay. you you know at least floating until yep. you can unclip and then buckle out of the and thing. then figure out what you got to do next um but yeah that's something that you never want to do and if, if i don't have flotations obviously i won't fly over water you you can fly over water as long as you're high enough up where you can you have an out where you can go to you can still you know get drift, to drift down to land yeah. okay. so I've, I've flown from um mackinac island down to the south side of the bridge to is that mackinac city there yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Then, on the yeah. lower peninsula side. Yeah, so it's yeah. about a seven mile gap of water over the oh, lake wow, that yeah, I okay. that I did. So when I took off, I took off from the airport on Mackinac Island, um, and then I so I launched, and then as I was flying, I just keep gaining altitude higher and higher and higher. I was about five thousand foot, and then you can start go, making your way across. So every time during that flight, I was able to either I could float. And drift down to um, the north side, the upper peninsula, or the lower peninsula, or back to Mackinac Island. Okay. So, like the whole time, it wouldn't have been a question whether or not I would have been able to make it. You know, so yep. so you're over top yeah. of the body of water, yep. but you so, you're constantly yeah yeah. So once once I'm over halfway, then obviously my first reaction, if I had a motor out, I would I could easily make it down to the city where I was. What's it like land. flying over yeah the bridge then from that type of view that the was, aerial seeing the whole entire bridge probably in one shot? I imagine then. Yep, that's that was a really cool experience. I've never done anything like that, and I don't think yeah, there's even a whole driving lot of people. It is insane. Yeah, there's not. I don't think there's a whole lot of people that have done that either because Mackinac Island, you're not allowed to have motors or anything like that. But I had talked to the ferry guy, and they shipped my motor across for me, so I was able to. Because I I couldn't oh, okay. I couldn't I couldn't launch the day of that we were going to Mackinac Island. Yeah. So I was able I had because it was too windy, so I had to ship it over there. So and then launch from it, but yep. you were able to yeah took it over there. So, so yeah, yep. that's pretty nuts. So how how close did you get to the bridge as far as like height wise once you got over there? Did you just stay um, I was pretty still high? I was still about two thousand foot when I was closer to the bridge just because I like I said I wanted to keep enough altitude where I had an out, but it was still really cool to see you know from yeah, that altitude just what be able to bridge? see the whole it's, thing. What is it like five miles five across miles the bridges? Yep. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I've heard of people just recently there was a plane that flew underneath underneath I, the bridge i did that see was that very illegal i have not seen if they've caught that guy <laughs> yeah they were they were looking, they were looking for, for him, him. Hard. but it was that was like over a month ago i want to say yeah i did but, see the video it was pretty i mean yeah it kind of is like well that's pretty well he made it yeah it's dope mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just bad if you don't make it yeah luckily for us um i think it's technically legal for us to do that i would never do it but uh um, we have a lot less regulations flying paramotors than airplanes do just because in the 
FAA, there's a lot fewer regulations as far as... Because of the speed. Yeah, you're nowhere near the speeds. Right. Yep. Like I said, there's no license or certification you need to fly ultralights. So that's what makes it fun, you know. Being able to get into some of the places. Yeah, as far as Mm -hmm. getting into places, like, from an aerial view, other than, like, a drone, you know, an unmanned thing, Mm -hmm. you probably are able to get into a lot of other areas that stuff is not able to get into. Right. So. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. What is, uh, do you ever coming out from the dunes and done any, like, uh, lakeshore stuff going down the lakeshore? Um. Or do you just stick right over top of the dunes and keep to that area? Mostly around the dunes when we do fly. We go north and south a ways. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we had a trip from Holland to South Haven and back. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I had to actually, uh, fill up with gas because we were, you took me that long. Yeah. So, so what's that like? Do you have to pre-plan like stops and know where you can get gas or you just go to airports? Yeah, or? I just uh, kept a little tiny bottle of oil with me Okay, uh, in, oh, my, it's in, my, two in my pouch. Yeah, because of two strokes. And so uh, we flew the lakeshore all the way down there. See, like when you're crossing Finville and that, it's nothing but forest, nothing but woods. So then we just stuck on the lakeshore because we've got and out if we have to. Yep. In the trees, it's just really, really hard to find a place to land. Yeah. Uh, you know, without landing in a great big bush. So uh, once we got to South Haven, then we go inland to the uh, to the highway, and we, like, landed right next to the tractor supply on a little strip of grass. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you just land. <laughs> you just like, land there. And then, and you walk up to the pump with the backpack yeah, and we, take it we, off. I and... hid my wing in some bushes, hopefully nobody to steal that, and then I walk <laughs> up to a, the pump right there in front of the tractor supply, and I set my motor down and pump in a gallon of premium. And, 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 a, up. Yeah, yep, and a little bit of oil, and then I walk back to my wing, and we took off. <laughs> you get a lot of funny looks you when you're there. People are looking at you like, pump. what the heck is Set that the thing, thing down? And... <laughs> that's pretty nuts. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was an experience on the way back. We had, we had planned to do this a few nights before, and the weather was good when we took off, and it was supposed to be pretty calm all morning. We kind of got a little bit of a late start. Um, yeah. When we got there, it was still all right. We decided to launch. It wasn't too bad. We launched. It was a little bit bumpy, but by the time we had got back to Holland, it was the wind had picked up quite a bit, and we were deciding, you know, debating whether to land early and have somebody come get us or not. Or just kind of keep going and try okay. to make it back to the vehicles or not. It was getting kind of gusty. It was. And it we was were pretty getting bumpy. bounced around pretty decent. Yeah, but we we decided we can just hang it hang it out there and, and we we kinda, were yeah we were only a few miles away. So. Right. And at the lakeshore, because of the flatness of the lake and all the trees before it, the wind gets a little bit bouncy there too. Okay. okay. But it's the only place we can fly if we need an out. You know, okay. uh, so we have to take that way. And then when we get back to Holland, we start flying inland again. And, and, uh, holy cow, all of a sudden he turned almost sideways one time heading back to our LZ over, over just be- like kind of before you even knew it happened, the wind just blew you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'll hit a gust and that wing will just blow sideways or backwards, you know, and then you bounce all over. So it gets a little hairy, you know? Yeah. That that was probably the worst conditions. Like it was, it was still all right. And the only reason I know it was still okay to fly in is because neither of us had a wing collapse. So when you're flying, if it gets too bumpy, your wing will fold underneath of itself, or like the wingtip will fold under, and then like that's when you start going down fast. 
and that's why I fly with a reserve so you can throw you know throw a reserve okay, out if, if, it, if your wing gets too tangled up. But I've seen it before where a wing will collapse, but it usually they're you know, they're built pretty safe, so they reinflate after it collapses. Okay. So when you're going down, the re- the wing will reinflate, and then you can keep going. So I've seen a lot of that happen to a lot of people, but um, that never happened to us that day. But it still felt you know pretty mm-hmm. pretty rough. Close, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's got a more kind of a performance wing you might say than mine mine's more of an intermediate to beginner wing and it's it's kind of foolproof it's scary you bounce around but if it would fold a wing under a corner and end it would pop right out my and that's like the that technology than built his. into how big is even quicker paramoting has been around long enough then the engineering is to that type of level of, right yep so are you doing like a lot like more aerial type of moves where you're doing spins and yeah like the foot dragging like the shoot that you have helps you be able to cut like harder angles and stuff like that versus yeah yours is meant to like we're gonna hold you yeah nice yeah. and level it's and just yep. the safe flying like I like you know? yeah. yeah his his is a is it a twenty five meter yep yep it's so, a Dudek uh, universal so it's a intermediate but you can do some stuff trimmers can go out so I can go faster I can put the speed bar on it so I can go faster okay so the trim the trim the trims and the speed bar are what makes the wing go faster so it just changes the shape of the wing from okay you know the air is going yeah from yeah to a lot more agile or you know it cuts through the air a little bit faster so my wing is a 20 meter wing it's a lot smaller and agile so it's a lot faster and i can also do a lot more with it it's it's kind of like being on a roller coaster where you can pull some left and right brake and you know kind of flip and spin and do barrel rolls without having the wingtips collapse under you it stays inflated a lot better and it's a little more efficient what kind of uh are you feeling like some g-forces like when you're whipping a wing you're feeling (laughs) because you're (laughs) what's like the rest of so like the backpack seat portion you're at what's like that rig set up the motor that you got on it and all that uh the motors it so what we have is a parajet um maverick is what the what it's called and um with the motor that's on it is called a moster 185 and it's the, that means 185 cylinder uh two-stroke motor um and italian made it's italian yeah it comes made. from Ita- italy um so they're not they're not cheap and they're not easy to just, you know, you can't just go quick, go buy one or pick some, pick yeah. one up somewhere. Cause you I've had people say, Oh man, I got to go get one of them. Where do you get it? And we just joke around like, Oh, I got them at Walmart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Walmart's got them. I say, do, is it something, do they have dealerships over here? Or are you dealing with Italy to buy those things and get um, them? There's a, uh, the guy that trained us is the one that um, was the dealer for. So he's got a dealer license yeah, here, yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. he'll probably, yeah, it's not keeping them on a shelf in stock. He's probably right. only ordering no. them you, if you yeah. want them. Yep. No, he sold me his, but see, there's a lot of guys like even around by us in Kalamazoo, they make them. Oh, okay. They're he, starting. He, it's he, getting he that builds, He builds their own frame and then he puts the own, their own motor on it. Okay. And so then you he can, sells you can, them to people. So they're custom built, but the ours are manufactured. Okay, a production model. Manufacturer's Parajet, the model is Maverick, and, and they use a Viterazzi engine. But there's people that just put together all their own components. And, and make they're them. building them. Yep. You okay. can, yeah, you, so you can buy the, the power plant just by itself, just the motor, which is, you know, what we have on ours, the Viterazzi 185. So people will put, you know, build their frame and everything else and then buy the harness and just kind of build their own. Um, but... Most of the time, I, I like ours just because it it, they, it all comes apart and collapses. It goes into a in a in like a 
travel case. Yeah, you've got the level of production that's, mm-hmm. yeah, you had people design this for exactly Ooh, what you're doing with exactly, it. Exactly, right? It's very, uh, uh, what would you call it, uh, nimble. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with it by yeah, pack, it just packing works. it up. And it gets small and it's lightweight, but it's really uh, high tech, state of the art, very dependable. Yeah. And that's what that's what we like. Yeah, I saw the props. The props are all carbon fiber. You were telling me that they're they're carbon fiber balanced props. Yeah. So if you if you end up breaking a prop, which I've had my sunglasses go through a prop, unfortunately, before, and, and ended up cracking it. Yeah. So that took a, a piece out of the prop and then ended up kind of delaminating it um, while I was flying. Luckily, I landed safe in a field, but um, end up having to buy a whole new. You have to buy a prop. As a match set, you can't just buy one. If one's good, because it's, it's a set of two, so if one's good, you can't just keep it and, you know, buy another one for it. You have to buy a set, and unfortunately, they're like $450 for a whole new setup because they're balanced with each other. Equally to each other. Yeah. Does changing, like, is there different props for different things you're doing versus, like, the aerial stuff or speed, or is it? No. Um, there are cheaper ones you can buy, like wood ones, but they're a lot heavier and they're not near as snappy, like not near as... You'll get the response right. out of the motor. Exactly. The lightweight is what we like. They're, they're, they're foam filled and the carbon fiber outside is definitely the lightest and... What is that setup weight when you first throw that thing on then and like get ready to take off running with a shoot? What's that thing weigh that you've got to hold it? Cause I've, I mean, it's gotta be, you're holding it for a decent while until the Full of gas, goes. you know, we're talking 60. 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. Dry, so yeah, with, dry a dry, with a dry, it's like 51 pounds or something like that. It depends mm-hmm. how much fuel you have. If you just put a couple liters in, it'd be 55. But the quicker you pop so. your shoot up, the quicker you don't feel it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, even the last little bit, you know, the the wing is holding your weight. You're just kind yeah. of running across without any weight on. Yeah. So it's know? just that yeah, lifting so it up. As soon as you way. pop it up, it, it takes a lot of the weight off of you right away. And then that thing has like a built-in actual seat. So once you're up, you're actually like sitting instead of being more suspended. Yep. That's what's nice about our Parajet. It has a very good, comfortable seat in it. Once okay. you lift your knees up, it turns into a little seat, and you can you just sit in it sit for down. hours. Yeah, nice padding. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. as as you're launching it, you know you're running, but then the seat is kind of tucked up above your butt a little bit, and as soon as you launch, you're, you're harnessed in, so your leg straps hold you. But it kind of like as soon as you launch, the seat kind of scoops you up as you're, you know, kinda making your down. way. Yeah. And, and it's it is nice and comfy. That's for what's sure. then some of like the longer what's maybe like the longest flights you've done on those things then. Probably well, that flight to South Haven and back was. Though I know those were two separate flights, but yeah, it was down. But the, we were that was uh, easy two, a three hour tour by the time we hours, yeah. landed, refueled, and then flew Sent, back. Yeah, pop yeah, back up yeah, and yeah, up in Moab we were up for almost two hours a couple of times. Okay, so yeah. that's generally like your range is an hour to two hours that you're... It, it depends what we're doing. Some A lot of times we'll just fly for 45 minutes, an hour. We've had a couple longer ones, like two and a half hours. Uh, in Louisiana, I had topped completely off and drained it completely out of gas. That was almost three, pretty close to three hours. Um, but then, like, if I'm at home, I can take... I can launch from my backyard. I live on five acres. Um, so it's nice to be able to, like, come home from work and just... Right out your back Gra- door. Yeah, just throw my shoot out there, go for like a 15-minute flight and pack yeah, it back up. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to have a hobby that is you're accessing so many places and you can you can mm-hmm. design so many like uh, 
you know, trips on it. Have you ever done any sort of, or is it even a thing to do like a, like a multi-day trip to where you're like completely, you know, camping, paragliding, flying into destinations and camping and then taking off and doing like overnight stuff? Yeah, there's people that uh, have, can uh, you know, plan that kind of thing. They know yeah. where they're going to go, take a lightweight little tent or just a little covering or something like that and they fly in with it. And we haven't done that yet. No. Uh, but like uh, across Michigan, uh, a lot of people have um, cross country. If you start out like by us in Holland, okay, the prevailing West winds loves to take you to Detroit. And so they'll just fly with the wind if it's all the way across and and you'll have to land two or three times to fuel up and you have a chase vehicle but they'll fly all the way across the state and what refuel about four maybe five times yeah so there's yeah we haven't done that yet that's on the the list Mm -hmm. do you have a bucket list then yeah what's some of the stuff on the bucket list of flights so that going all the way across michigan that's something you yeah, said you need yeah, support like, to do that. I'd like to do that. There was a group of like five guys that did it one time. Yeah, like you said, you need there's quite a bit of planning. You need somebody to drive a vehicle with a trailer and, you know, fo- kind of follow you along the whole way, you know, stop at your stop city where you're getting fuel just in case anything happens and stuff. Yeah, maybe have do you have to have like spare parts or something like or yeah, how I guess what kind of like reliability you get out of those things as far as like if you're just doing maintenance, they're always good to go or at certain times you're just changing stuff out to change it out yeah so just recently i broke over 100 hours on mine and um there's there's certain parts that you have to replace after every 50 hours which is like the exhaust um brass ring but other than that it's every 100 hours and you just pretty much rebuild the top end i put piston rings in it and rebuilt the carb and like exhaust packing i put new reeds in it so there's there's a certain amount of maintenance you do everything that i took apart and replaced looked absolutely fine like i didn't need to touch it but it's just something that you do like, to yeah. make sure that it's a little different than rip like an old dirt bike that right you just, you just ride it until something woods. breaks yeah, yeah but... <laughs> you go until you have to fix it yeah. right you know? yeah this thing it's like well you're in the air i'd mm-hmm. rather it work <laughs> yeah you just replace it just because it's good too <laughs> yeah but uh I haven't done any of that yet. I've just replaced the stuff that I broke, you know, like the the net that protects the prop from stuff flying into it. Okay, that's I, like uh, the metal case. I had a bad launch, and the prop went through it, so I got another one made. Okay. And, you know, so that doesn't look stock anymore. It's not the same one, and I've had to replace prop a couple times because, you know, it'll hit when, like, just now we came in, and I, I slid, because uh, the grass is super wet, and of course the prop stops in a perfect up-down position, not sideways like a hundred other oh, positions. Oh, when the motor it could cuts off, yeah, when, right when it stops, it's up and down, and so one of my blades catch the uh, grass. It didn't seem to do anything to it, but that okay, kind of stuff cut happens. through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so say yeah. Generally, so when you're landing, that's like number one. You're trying to just keep the prop from going in the ground. Well, number well, one thing is land land right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> land first. Uh, yeah. It, it's tough to get like a perfect landing. Like I said, if there's no wind, it's harder to land than when there's a headwind. But you always try to, and slippery grass makes it hard, a little bit harder as well. But makes um, it way worse. Yeah. yeah. So usually you just want to try and land on your feet and run it out rather than slide. But sometimes the gra- wet grass makes that difficult. So what other? Is there any other? Uh, since you're flying over these dunes, you got any other ideas and dreams of flying over like glamis dunes or something like that? 
I'd anywhere, honestly. Or you just, um, anywhere that you know you can get out and fly. Yeah, I I travel a lot for work, so I you know I take it with me. I I work a lot around DC, so like when I'm over there, I don't ever take it with me just because there's no airspace. Uh, yeah, with you're DC, not with to. The, yeah, with okay. the White House and everything around there. Um, also all the airports that we're not allowed to fly around. But uh, whenever I go like out west for work or down south and i take it with me and kind of explore places when i have time after work to fly so um there were a few other things that were like (laughs) i don't know how feasible it is but i'd like to get certified for skydiving and then like eventually go up do a tandem flight um with a friend that with a, with a friend that flies as well because you can fly two people if you get a, a certification for it like okay to... somebody like strapped to the front of you yep so is it the same rig setup just more like gear yeah our motors right. are powerful enough to do that to, to fly two people mm-hmm. basically you just get a bigger parachute or a bigger wing that can that has more lift because you're lifting more weight so yep. you need a bigger wing and then the person in front of you has a is in a harness and it's kind of like a a bar that goes from your shoulders to their shoulders and then the wing attaches to that bar. It's like a okay. spreader, kind of a spreader bar. A- so what I always wanted to do was get certified for skydiving and go up tandem with somebody and then just, you know, just get out of my harness, turn back and then just like backflip off it and just skydive from the tandem Jeez. flight. That would be, that that's something I've always wanted Something you're to doing do. together, you're working on? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just been talked about with like me and Shane before. So that yeah, you've actually got to get skydiving certified before you're able to do that. Right, so yeah. yeah, the part of releasing out of the harness is. Yeah, I've, I've seen guys do it before and it just looks so wild and fun. So that's on the bucket list. <laughs> that would yeah. be crazy, yeah. I'm, I don't have any aspirations yet of... Uh, Running tandem, but I could. Yeah, we doing could, the I tandem stuff. Do it. Yeah, there's a lot that more than go wrong, you know. Yeah, you you're dealing with balancing weights of somebody else moving and yeah. Because how much of I don't like, know what would happen with your harness once you lost the balance of the other person. Either. They'd probably bobble a little bit, but I, yeah, that's something that we would have to figure. It would out. seem like it would snap up. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah they've got to have some sort of something to shock the the loss of all that weight mm-hmm. for that quick second. Yeah, I say that at being able to take people up with you to kind of, would it just be more of when you take somebody up, are you still as agile or you're more just doing the staying suspended nice and flat? It's more of just flying, you know, calm and straight and flat when you when you take somebody else up because, you know, you're, you're responsible for their life too. And that's, I haven't taken the classes to, you know, do any of that tandem take flying. Take someone else. Yeah. There's there's more little few more rules and regulations on that when you're flying tandem. You know, they open up a whole other part in the FAA that or the FAR and the regulations there that you know. So what's it like with like with like steering those? Is it a lot of? Do you have hand? Because I mean, I saw wires everywhere. I'm, are you doing it with hands or is it body weight? Is it combination? Of, like how sensitive is it when you're up in there to get those things going and controlling where you want? That all depends on your wing too. You know, okay. There's different designs uh, for different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for his, his brakes have a lot more effect. You know, the the toggles uh, um, than they do on mine. Okay. You know, and that's all. It's a matter just, of just creating drag. Yeah. Depending on yeah. how you're pulling them. All it does is it just pulls down the trailing edge on the right or the left side of the wing. Okay. Okay. And when you pull down both, all of a sudden it kind of flattens out. And glides a little okay. more, but then you start losing speed and, and then you can stall. So, you know, it's all a matter of knowing how much and when and yeah. that kind of thing. 
pretty yeah the sensitivity of what you're doing with it right 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 and then the harder you pull on it you know one side the sharper you steer yeah. until you're virtually sideways and just doing a spiral so how much like what kind of when you first started flying them how much did before you took off the ground on your own like how much time did you kind of have into you said you took classes and just do you watch some youtube videos you know like like what was the first flight like of like all right yep i'm gonna run and go full speed and that kind of, I guess, go through that first feeling of being off the ground of, yeah, it's like yeah, well, realizing you're flying. That's one thing. of your loading your pants issues. You've had, <laughs> you've had the anticipation for how many weeks now because you've known you're going to get into it and you've gotten finally gotten your own gear and you've pla- practiced the kiting and you've then you've practiced kiting with a dead motor get it on your back and now okay. it's all live and you're actually going to do this thing and you've had all these this time of anticipation building up but you've never been off the ground and now all of a sudden you do that, yeah that was that that was a real pants loader for me that was fun that's that what was, I mean, that was just so mad. much adrenaline you just can't believe it you know is this stuff actually going to work because it's never <laughs> been up in the air like for me it was all brand new you know uh because i was going to have only brand new you know state-of-the-art super Getting dependable the gear uh, yep i'm not going to buy use somebody else's used garbage you know uh and so i i mean I've, I've been in construction all my life i'm not afraid of heights i can climb around on walls and that kind of thing, but all of a sudden, this thing is taking you up in the air, and, and, and you're controlling it. All, all of my all my instructor could hear was just screaming because <laughs> we had comms, you know, because he's talking oh, okay. me down. He's he's teaching me, you know, what to do, and I'm in the air and, and coming down because first flights are very short; they're only about getting up and getting down. That's all. Okay. You know, the flying is easy. The flying's easy. The flying's the easy. You know, it's just <laughs> learning how to get off and how to come back down, and so okay. you know, then you just do do a couple loops, and then then you're gliding back in and he's instructing you again and oh man that was yeah that's something else and that first time you get up and do you really trust the stuff you know yep so i did it i would imagine then it clicks right then you're like i'm in this is yeah oh after that first flight you can't as soon as you land you can't wipe that smile off your face for the next 24 hours no no you used to think about sex and now all you do is think about (laughs) you just look next time you can fly you just look (laughs) anywhere you go changes now anywhere you go you go to the store or whatever any field you look at you're like oh i could launch yeah (laughs) if you have to go to work and the wind is low it's like Dang it all, this is a great time to fly. You, know, you start using you more vacation days <laughs> to take random days off. <laughs> that, that's one of those things. You talked about the bucket list. I'd really love to take some time just to, you know, the two of us, because we uh, life's busy. I want to just take a week off and just drive around to other PPG guys we know. Okay, go meet see up with them people. And go fly with them. And just yep. drive around, you know, the country and go that would be yeah, a great, what is great it, week, I think. Or, you know, where we live locally here, you, do, you don't know many people versus you probably know more people in the sport in the, around the country than what you do locally. Right. You know, there's there's a connected. fair amount in Michigan that we know. I'd say I know personally maybe like 10 to 15 guys that fly in Michigan. Okay. But yeah, a lot, a lot around the country as well. So. so, yeah, to be able to go and meet up at destinations of, yeah, if you got your local... You know, like Silver Lake would be considered probably one of your local spots on. I guess, yeah, yeah especially if you yep. just got a place here, probably going to start flying a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot more in the weekends. Yeah. And So what time, what makes better, to, like you flew this morning, was that to get a sunset trip, at, like to be able to see the sun come up, or is there certain times of day you fly or don't like to fly? Yeah, morning mornings and nights are always best. That's always when it's more calm. Uh, in the middle of the day, when the sun is overhead, um, you get a lot more turbulence, so you get pockets of air that cause thermals. So the thermals will r- start rising, and that's one of the things that you know makes it more bouncy and 
Okay, so you're watching out for. Yep. Yeah. So that's why we like to fly in the morning and at night. It's a lot calmer then. And, and that's kind of one of the things that makes Silver Lake a problem because it's a constantly windy area. Yeah. I mean, it's what built the dunes. Yeah, it's the wind. Yep. You know? It's and so to find, find spots that are low, we're constantly watching the okay. wind predictions to see what's... So once it's uh, actually dead out there is when you want to If we there. have an afternoon flight, that's very rare. I had a couple of those already this summer. Yeah, and, you know, at two p.m. Get... you can get out there and fly. That's almost unheard of because it's almost a eight p.m. thing or a. Now it's just weather conditions that let you do that. Yeah, well, every once in a while you get a calm day in the middle of the day, and you can still fly. You know, around noon or two o'clock. So those are the days that are you out there drag racing people down the drag strip. That's, on those, that's days. those are the days <laughs> yep, when, it, when the place is really busy and and people are loving it and they're you know flagging you in to come and run right above their machine you know and they're loving it and they waving and stuff going nuts yeah we get uh, uh dirt bikers wheeling right alongside us right on and yeah you're so you're skimming right above them you're, so what kind of you, like when you're what's the cruising speed on those things when you're cruising or versus like because you're probably trying to swoop down and come in as fast as you can on that type of stuff what kind of speeds do you get when you're doing that the the your speed all depends on the wind so if it's if it's a dead calm day and there's no wind they'll they'll fly in you know on average about 30 miles an hour okay um, so you're then, coming so, and get the jump and then they're taking off and you're just flying above them yeah, yeah. so yeah. If, if you have a windier day if you have a tailwind um say it's a 10 mile an hour tailwind so that now all of a sudden you're going 40 miles an hour and then if okay. you let your trims out you know you i've been up to 70 miles an hour before with a good tailwind and my trims wow, out geez. That, that was up higher not not yeah, towards the ground as much but um yeah so then if you turn around and you're going against the wind you can actually be flying backwards if you have a strong enough headwind mm-hmm. i've had friends that have he's flown in 70 mile an hour winds up at 4,000 foot turn with the wind and he was going like a hundred miles an hour but <laughs> when you you know you turn against it you're still going backwards even though you're trying to fly forwards yeah as long nuts. as long as it's a steady wind and not gusty you can do yep, that it keeps so. the shoot inflated how mm-hmm. it needs to yeah those kind of times you've got to have somebody come and pick you up because you're never yeah. going to get back to your destination <laughs> yeah if you're yeah. doing that you just land at the next airport or the next county over unless yeah. the winds are like that that was winds aloft so the winds below that four thousand foot mark like they, they get calmer and calmer as you get down low so if you get down low they're only moving you know five miles an hour and you can make your way back again okay right so depending on what, so yeah what everything and a lot of destination so destination just comes down to probably takeoff place of having a good takeoff and a landing spot and then that you can fly there yep so sir like you use our friends over at golden sands they got the nice driving range that you get to use over there yeah we had we had a place before that that we kind of got pushed out of um it wasn't near as good it wasn't it was kind of like a gravel road um we don't use that anymore but launching from the nice mowed grass is definitely very nice you just gotta watch out for the (laughs) golf balls bill has been an incredibly accommodating person yes Uh, yeah it's very rare most people are worried about liability 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 and that's all they can talk about you know Uh, i would but you know and and bill isn't doesn't think anything about that he said man i'm glad you came and asked (laughs) that's just a totally different uh scenario than we're used to so yeah it makes it way easier because what is it i mean what does it even take you to get from the time you take off to get over to the dunes how long does it even take you five minutes yeah, not, i was yeah. gonna say three so you get to spend the majority of your time you know doing your mm-hmm. doing what you're wanting to do flying around the area versus like trying to travel to it 
So right. it's not very hard. To, right. Yeah. Yeah. And they even like it when we fly around the golf course. Yeah. They, buzz around they, and kind they, of do that. Yeah. I the don't know how stuff. much the golfers don't like it, but <laughs> most of them wave and think it's really cool. Most of the golfers seem to be dune people. So they all yeah. have dune stuff. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Out there in the vehicles. and Yeah. That's why I think a lot of them enjoy us out there just because, uh, they're all gearheads and yeah, I know I've seen you. Know, I've got a few videos on my following an engine, out there. you know, is, is going to be uh, something they really, really love. And, you know, it's kind of funny because they, they'll have a hundred thousand uh, dollar long travel and they're watching us, you know? Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. You, and we're like, man, I want to get one of those. And they're looking up like, Oh, I want to fly in one of those. Cool. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, you guys are, it's one of those things that, yeah when you see you out there it's yeah people i mean i'm the same way i've seen you out there several times and i've whatever we've done it's like oh there's those guys we'll watch them for a while yeah, and yeah. this is what we're gonna do for the next yep. 30 minutes and yeah. just to see you because it's like i'll see you, yeah come down and you're kind of doing that you're floating right above the dunes and all of a sudden i've seen you at times take off and just climb and almost disappear behind clouds and stuff and it's like i don't know where they went they must have gone home and then <laughs> 10 minutes later back in there again i see you fly back down in so yeah, they our motors are real powerful and they can climb fast. We can get out of a get out of a situation pretty quick and climb up to four thousand foot within the matter of a few minutes. And sometimes going like going above clouds is a really awesome opportunity. It's not it doesn't happen too often to have the perfect conditions where there's openings in the clouds where you can get get up above them and see it. But when it does, it's it's like you're on another planet. It's awesome to see. I say it probably takes, because, yeah, you were mentioning it. It's like looking out the window if you've been on a plane. I've seen that view before where you're, yep. I don't know how many thousands of feet in the air. And, yeah, you look at the clouds and you're like, those look like they're 50 feet below us. Like, it kind of, a, does it take, like, the feeling you kind of forget? You're like, wow, I'm, yeah, 4,000 feet in the air because now there's just clouds right here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's like, it's like seeing out of a plane window except 10 times better because you're just out in the open and you can actually, you know, get down and like kind of touch the clouds like and physically in them yeah and them and do a lot of clouds then have like a layer like that so they're just a certain thickness and the top is always just kind of flat like that to where as long as you stay above them you're perfectly good and then you just wait for another opening to fall back down through them yeah yep there are there are regulations on that as far as openings go um you need certain vis- visibility below it and when you're going through it and then also above it um and then if I've seen people where like the clouds will kind of close up and not have an opening, but you kind of got to wait it out and look for another opening to, you know, fly back, Get down. back down through them, yep. drop through them. Yeah. But when you're that close to them, you can definitely see a height difference. You know, you can be above the clouds, but there's still some clouds that are towering above you next you're to flying you. around, okay. you know, so they might look flat from 38,000 from a jet, but when we're flying above them, not necessarily yeah. so much. We fly all winter. Okay, oh, we'll really? go up. We'll go up in thirty degrees. We've gone up off and wow. on, on Christmas and New Year's. That's okay? good. What's like your gear setup? Do you just heated clothing? Like layer <laughs> he's, up? Yeah, he's got heated gloves and the heated jacket. I just oh, okay, uh, like the battery pack I just style heated my, jacket. My fly suit. Yeah, but see, during those times, we're only planning on like a half hour at best because yeah. you just get too cold. 
you come down numb anyways. It's just you, more of you're, 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 your hands lose their dexterity because you've been operating your gloves and they're up high, and so, so yeah, the blood flow isn't yeah. as good. And so you gotta you gotta get them warmed up before you land because you've got to have that dexterity for for breaking to come in. Yep. You know, on your landing. But we were out uh, this last New Year's into 2020, and it was 31 degrees. So we're gonna just go up for you know 15, 20 wow, minutes. That's so crazy. We, we only had like four, maybe five liters, right? And we were by his house, and we, we launch, and we get up, and there's this layer of clouds. It's probably at 1,000 feet, and it's, uh, and it's cruising by us, and we're uh, staying under our, our airspace. We can only go up to 2,000 there because we're in the Grand Rapids airspace, right? So we get above these clouds, and all of a sudden, it's like 50 degrees. It's crazy. It, above it, the clouds? It's 30 warm. degrees where we took off. And then we it get just above, got really we get warm. over 1,000 feet. And all of a sudden, it's easy, 50 degrees, while the clothes we got on mean we're plenty warm. So now can, you're sweating now we can there. Now we can last. We're not, we're not sweating by any okay. means, but, but we, we cruise south and get out of the airspace, right? And now we can climb a little bit more, and we're just having a good old time. And so we're up there 45 minutes. And all of a sudden, he's like, he's calling me back. I got to get out of here. I'm out of gas. We never <laughs> took that much because we yeah, didn't know yeah, we were going to be up that much. And there was no air traffic that day. We were just having a ride up there in 50 degrees, just hanging around, you know, flying and buzzing and, and talking. I, I'd, uh, I'd kill my engine and glide and talk on the phone. And then I look and he's probably about 25 feet away from me, gliding right next to me, like wingtips, almost touching. Oh, geez. you know, And I didn't know it. And I was like, Holy cow, look how close Alex is. And I, point, <laughs> I, I point my phone over there, and I still got all that on video. It's just so cool. Because he, I was gliding, and I didn't hear his engine, but he happened to just I glide right that. from behind me. Okay. And gliding right alongside me with a big old grin on his face looking at me. And, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, we got to head back. I'm going to run out of fuel. And then so, you drop, drop back down low, and it's cold again. So, so yeah, then you're, you're what... Do you have what do you fight your your engine up like get up to some altitude and then kill it cruise down if you how many times you've had to do that well you, to get back to you don't necessarily have to kill it um if you're doing like acro like what I like to do is just climb up high do a bunch of spins and you know barrel rolls and spirals and then you you lose a lot of altitude doing that so I keep the motor on and you can climb right back up and do some more um, but. Normally, you know, you just leave the motor going unless you want to climb up really high up to like, I've been up to 10,000 feet before and then it's nice and peaceful just to kill the motor and just kind of take your earmuffs off and just listen to the wind go by and it's really like dead quiet and like relaxing almost. And, um, but yeah, as far as killing it goes, I've, there was another time where I had my motor, um, I've only had a couple motor outs, um, but um, yeah, it, it blew up while I was about 2000 foot in the air, but the nice thing about them is they're so safe that, uh, you just, you're in a parachute. You don't use the motor to land anyway, so you just float down and land. So. Okay. And you were saying, you were saying kiting earlier. Is that beef? That's the first step. Is that when you're doing essentially what you're doing, but without the fan on your back mm-hmm. is when exactly. you're just using, Yep. like, are you, those people take off from uh, like high destinations and just float down, or is it something you can use like thermal pockets? Kiting all happens on the ground. So that the first thing you do is you get a harness on, and then you pop the wing up, and you learn how to just control it. So okay, when you're first just getting like into it, you have it. a little. You know, typically, you want to do it on a beach or somewhere where there's a steady wind because it's easier to kite and control it for your first time. So when you pop it up, then you like 
learn how to you look at you're looking up at it and you pull on the brakes whichever way you need to or move underneath of it you just learn how to control it back and forth okay so that's just what kiting is but um paragliding is what they call it it's not power oh, paragliding okay. it's paragliding with just the parachute and you can do that off of the top of a dune if there's enough um wind coming off the lake or an ocean yep. it gives it gives you enough if lift. it hits the if it hits the wind or the dune right then there's wind that comes up and it pushes your wing up and you can actually fly around without the motor okay so is that something now you're using like like yeah like you were saying is that thermal pockets where they're actually using those to then climb to get um, elevation that, they don't that's have not a, a thermal pocket that's just wind coming off the ocean hitting oh, okay. the dune and pushing upwards thermal pockets using... you can also um paraglide you can also paraglide uh the end and to the side just from thermals which like i said our pockets of air and um guys can take off from a mountain you know go find a thermal and you look for birds that are kind of flying in a circle and that's where the thermals are so you okay. find that and you can kind of spiral up and you know use use that thermal to get up higher and higher and higher without the motor and then you can fly down or across over to the next one and try and you know do that you, again yeah Is and that you can actually you... go cross country doing that you know because you don't run out of fuel you're just solely wow. relying on the the thermals to keep you up there so is that something you've ever gotten into or you've just always been into um, the motor stuff? It, there's not around here. There's not really many places you can do it. This is more in like different countries or like in mountains where it's actually possible to do that. Okay. So I, I haven't gotten into it. I mean, you can do it on the dunes. I know a few guys that free fly around the dunes, but you have to have, you know, pretty windy day and good conditions and good steady wind to yeah, give enough rare. up uplift uh, off the dunes. So um, around Silver Lake here, you can't really do it. The dunes aren't facing the right direction um for the wind to come and hit them right but uh over by where i live in holland or where i grew up in holland uh lake town beach the the dunes go straight up you know kind of like sleeping bear dunes that's a good example where you can okay do it. so it yeah. hits it makes more like wind speed coming off yeah the top when, you, of when you have a good uh west wind it, it'll come off the lake and just you know push straight up and you can fly back and forth along the dune and that just keeps you up there okay then uh I guess with the paramotor stuff, yeah. What was any of the other, like, bucket list uh, trip stuff you got? Any other ones? Any anything more this summer you're planning on doing, or are you just planning on sticking around the Silver Lake area? And now that you got a place up here, just flying up here. Or you- well, with this whole COVID thing going on, we didn't. We haven't really planned any vacations um, this year. I don't have anything planned other than you know somewhere I might go for work. You just bring um, it with you. How? Yeah. I guess. How, yeah. What kind of space do you need to bring it with you? Because if are you always driving for your job, so you have your own vehicle. Yeah, uh, we use a company vehicle, but it, like I said, it all packs up into a small case, so I can you know you just put it, it on it, put it on a trailer inside the, our work vehicle or and in the back of the truck, it. and always have it. And then when once I assemble it, then I just either you know find space for it in the hotel room and. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, it's easy enough to bring it with yeah, you. Yeah, it uh, is easy enough. I uh, spend some time in Florida in the winters. You know, I'll go down there for a month to work, and then I just had a rack on the back of an escape. Okay, you just kept it and in. It goes in a hitch, and you just strap it to the rack, and then the wing goes inside, and and uh, it doesn't take up that much room, and it only takes maybe a half hour to completely reassemble. You know, yeah, the so super easy flying condition. Yeah. So, so from the time you're getting like out getting out and set up to fly to back landing, like how long does it even take you to play, you know, three, four hours, kind of like a turnaround time. So if you did it like this morning, you took off when like got a morning flight in and you got a morning flight in before what, like 10, 
or 11. Yeah, we landed around 9.30. We took off, what, 7.30, landed at, or landed at not around 9, around just before nine, 9. Around 9, yeah. But, you know, from the time we uh, stop the truck to the time we're actually launching, it's usually about 15, maybe 20 minutes. That's yeah, it. you got everything all if ready I, to go. Yeah, if I'm at home, I just keep my wing in my basement, walk out the slider door, I can toss my wing out, throw my motor on, and it can be five minutes before I'm in the air. Yeah. And then, you know, when you, when you land, all you do is pack your parachute up and put the motor away. <laughs> There's yeah. not really much to it. That's five minutes as well. I, w- I would definitely like to plan something but for next summer this summer has pretty much just been focused on this place because i picked it up not so long ago and it was totally dilapidated okay okay the place that i bought and it needed everything done i mean we took down 14 trees okay okay? in the yard every every roof was leaking okay (laughs) none of the wells worked the whole septic system so that's what you did all summer so everything was just you know uh the 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 ppg is all time we can find in between otherwise yep. it's uh at work but then on weekends come over here and work so yep. uh, we're getting sort of caught up so uh yeah, right. this summer and last summer has pretty much been focused on um with the family just getting that place back up and running yep. you know uh so it hasn't been about you know, planning uh, a trip for trip, PPG. Yep. That's a lot more likely like next summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it will happen next summer. I have another friend that wants to do it with us as well. So you have a trip in mind that you're planning on? Uh, uh, I haven't put anything picked, together yet. I've, a spot yet. I've I've seen and know of quite a few locations, but they're all pretty far drive from here. Um, but I have yet to look into, you know, something else that, might be nearby or other places to fly while we're yep. on our way there, you know. Yeah, like we took the uh, equipment out to Moab, and gosh, that's a twenty-eight hour drive each direction. Yeah. You know, that's what I mean. You have yeah, and I then guess a little escape. You know, pulling a trailer. Yeah, you <laughs> but ha- half the fun would that. be you know planning a trip, going somewhere, but stopping along the way at different stops. Or, to do or if you're just on the highway and see, oh, look at that bridge right there. We should go. You can stop. You can you can find a field. You yeah. know, a soccer field. Yeah. Let's so go, it's more. Of, let's go fly around it. If you just had t- if you just had like two weeks off in a vehicle. Yeah. And you absolutely. were like, all right, let's go drive and yeah. see where we get to. You, sometimes like you can just drive around the country and you, yep. your plans would change daily on where okay. you're going to go. You know, looking for the calm trip. wind that you can just do. That's that's what I want to do. One of just chase, yeah, yeah just before, chase wherever before I it takes hang you. it up. Yep, mm-hmm. I just want to chase wherever exactly. That'd be pretty cool. What kind of do you keep any sort of like hour meters on those that let you know? Do you have any idea of what kind of hours you have flying? Yeah. So when I first got mine, the first thing I did was put an hour meter on it, and it's just a wire that wraps around the spark plug coil wire that goes to the yeah, engine. Run, yep. And so whenever it's running, whenever there's electricity going through that, it's you know it's recording how many hours. So I'm think i'm at about 120 or 125 hours by right now um, and that's the and then that, also, that setup is what you've always flown yeah and okay. so that 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 meter also tells you like your it's your tachometer so it tells you your you know your motor speed and everything else like that okay or and so it's you've got, got a clock on it so so i guess how many what does that got to be close like somewhere a little under 100 flights then like if your flights are varying an hour to two hours uh well for me i do a lot of, like i said when i get home from work or something if i'm working in town i'll just go for a 15 oh, a or half an hour flight so you might have i think i think last year just last year alone i had around 160 and this year i think i'm at 
uh, maybe 60 or 70 right now. Wow. So, so that's a lot more, yeah, start and mm-hmm. takeoffs, which yep. is more of the harder part, you said, than the gliding part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got way more than me. I don't need to do it as much. I wait for the ideal conditions. That's yeah, you're I'm more, like. yeah, you want the exact. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm about getting up other. safe and just having fun and enjoying it. And I'm not about the acro, you know. Yeah, the acro I'm, stuff. I, I like the stuff I'm doing good just hurt. getting up there. I think I'm <laughs> yeah. doing all right. You know? Hey, you were still whipping some corners and I mean, doing stuff that. I was looking, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's right? not the stuff you do right off the bat. But Yeah, you're yeah. still whipping over trees and yeah, skimming yeah. down in. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still do more than a lot. But, uh, yeah, I, all I have, I don't have any of that on my machine. I just keep it basic. I just keep a flight log. I write down each one, and I've got them all in a book. Okay. You know, uh, do you, about, is, the possible, about the amount of length that I've spent in the air and where I took off and landed from. Just and, a quick description yeah, type of thing. Still, Kaipa, with something like you're doing of, yeah, it's so unique of a thing to keep a log that you mm-hmm. you can always look back on of, mm-hmm. or even, yeah, you got the exact hour meters of I've spent, yeah, whatever, you know, 120 hours sitting in this seat, yep. gliding this thing around. That's what I, I mean, yeah, the type of longevity, yeah, as long as you keep that motor going, you can just keep using that setup for, yep. you know, what kind of life, how many, I guess, years have you had and been doing? I've had this motor particularly for two years yeah, I think about two years. Yeah, we both I had, had ours about two years now. He had two I, I had, I had that. a different one. I actually had two different ones before this one that were, when I first got into it, I bought used because I didn't know how much money I wanted to put into it at the time. And after, you know, flying on that motor for a few flights and seeing what other motors did, I was like, you know, I got to sell this and get something more yeah, powerful. Yeah, what you needed. Yeah, yep. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, but yeah. I probably got around 12 into my stuff. 12 hours of 12 K. 12, 12 oh, okay. Of getting your full setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get into it for about five for, uh, you know, okay, for, for something here. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I guess. Yeah. Take a quick, like other than price, a quick go through of if somebody did want it, like was getting into this, what's the rundown of like time from like, all right, I'm going to get into this, take some courses. How many, like, yeah, if you're going to spend probably five to 12 K. And how much like time with courses is it going to take you before you're like, I'm doing this to now you're like every, you said that fill your pants moment of like, I'm in the air. Like yeah, yeah. how well, long does so, that take? Well, everybody learns at a different, different pace. So it could be, you know, months before you actually get into the air and fly. It all, it all depends on how well and you, you are at how good you fast, <laughs> how fast you learn and how, you know, how good you can kite. Um, so okay. some guys, it takes a lot longer for them to get good at kiting, whether other guys, you know, it, they can learn it in a day or something like that. Yep. So like he was saying, um, motors can cost anywhere from, you know, $5,000 for use to new, the motor, the motor will be like $8,000. And then a new wing is about four, three to four. And then you got training on top of that, which can be, you know, $2,000 for good training. Um, there's there's guys that do it at, in groups in, out of Lansing, um, which are, you know, if you're going to do it in Michigan, those are the guys to go to. They're very good at what they do and they know everything, you know. And who is that? What's and, those guys' names? Um, it's... Uh, Talking about Justin? Yeah, well, Justin and his partner... Uh, 
What's his name? I put you on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of his partner's name, but uh it's called uh Coy, but that's not right either. Fly Fly Michigan PPG. Fly it's okay. Fly and then M I P P G. So if you go to their website, you know that you can contact them through there. But um yeah, if you're gonna do do the right training, those are the guys to go to. Um but they'll you know, they're not gonna let you get into the air if they don't feel comfortable with your yeah. kiting ability. So yeah, it's so, getting somebody watching you and going, Yeah, we think you can right. do this kind of that confidence behind it. And that yeah. happens because I was training right alongside a guy that had the exact same equipment as me, you know, and he wanted to get up and do it, but he just wasn't. wasn't and and he got up, he got up once. And, and after he saw me fly, he said, man, you look a lot more relaxed in the air than I do. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say anything, but he was right. I could tell when he was up there, he was tense and, yeah. and, and, and he didn't come down real nice. You know, he kind of fell sideways yeah. and that kind of thing. And, and I'll tell you, uh, after my instructor booted me out of the nest, because I didn't really want to be at that time, I wanted to have more instruction and more. But he said, yep. nope, nope, you're getting booted out of the nest. Uh, it wasn't long where I saw my instructor was selling all that guy's gear. Oh, it was only a, stick a, with three it. weeks later. And yep. he just said, I, I, it's just not for me. And I bought a wing from somebody that went through training with him too. Brand new wing. But <laughs> this guy had bought it and sold it to me for a thousand bucks less because he just, he just couldn't do it. He went all through the training yeah. and uh, something with the coordination just wasn't there. Just, you know, didn't have it. You kind of still have to be a little bit athletic and you still have to be uh, a little bit eye hand coordination and, and yep, see your yeah, pants definitely. feel, you know. I would say there's, you know, fair share of the population just probably shouldn't even try it. because. Well, I think it shows with the amount of people that are doing it. You know, you don't see, one, you don't see many people even attempting to do it. Mm -hmm. But then, like you said, yeah, the, the fallout rate of the people that have committed to buying all the stuff and then going, wow, there's, it's still not for 50 me. There's 50% fallout, I'm sure. The people that even commit to it for the training or have already bought equipment and, you know, they've committed that much and they yep. still just find out they, they can't do it. it. It's usually a younger crowd. Yep. Usually kids like him, you know, late 20s, I would, early 30s. I don't 50% just because it's, as soon as you fly, it's like super addicting. Well, but I don't know but if, if it's you 50, struggle, but if, some if you struggle, struggle. struggle with the takeoff and landing and can't get the, get the hang of it, then maybe yeah, people don't even I mean. reach that point. They can't get over it. I guess, yeah, for either of you, it was, yeah, once you got in the air and you're kind of processing being in the air for the first time, if you clicked right to this is fun versus I'm scared, yeah. you're probably doing all right. Yeah. 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 If you yeah. slip the other way of, I can only imagine you're climbing off the ground and you're getting more and more scared, but you're the one in control of yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. And he said it earlier too that the instructors can tell that right away just by the way you kite. Okay. You know, how you control the parachute. Yeah. yeah. If, if it's, they're it's, confident just the aggressiveness you have and being able to either get underneath it or launch it in unsteady winds, you know, just practicing yep. the just kiting. just have the control. You know, they, they can, they can tell. So it's more of a probably an experience thing. The more times you fly, you're probably always getting a little better and yep. getting experienced to situations. Yeah, just like with anything else, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So. Yep. so how long, for you, you're saying you like to do the aero stuff. Like what type of aero does that mean as far as like what you're doing and like how long of a thing does that take? You know, kind to, of before you started, like as far as, as far as learning it goes, or or even like yeah, how long before you were like yeah, I'm gonna start trying to do spins and whatnot. If you were confident enough, obviously flying it to go yeah, I'm gonna start spinning around and yeah, going so upside down. You, and, you can watch a lot of videos and get good instruction on you know just people that have done a lot of it and know what they're doing and just 
getting the feel for the wing yourself and, you know, just getting a little bit more progression each time and learning how to weight shift and control the wings energy. Um, so it's something that you don't learn just right away. Obviously, you know, you keep going further and further. I'm still learning stuff. Um, but I've, you know, started doing that maybe 15 hours in of flying just because I, I like flying a lot, but I was like, I want to, I want to do it hour, further. Yeah, I want to go more. Yeah. I always trying to progress and learn more about it. And the, the, the acro is definitely a lot of fun pulling a lot of G's. It just gets the adrenaline going and that's just, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah. Keep getting the adrenaline rush from it every yep. time you get out. Exactly. Too much of a chip off the old block. And <laughs> yeah. Normal flying isn't good enough. Yeah. At all. <laughs> no, you got normal dirt biking. He's you know, you want to find where it. the line is or, and you want to skim across the yeah, line. You're like, I'm going to be right on <laughs> that line. Everything is extreme. Yep. Always, always trying to progress. And <laughs> we entered him into gymnastics when he was a little kid, you know, and he was competing in a five Same state thing. region and he was, you know, knocking it dead and all the time. Know, all, little kid as a gymnastic, you know, uh, triple flips and just all the stuff. Some people have the rings, personality, but you know, it's, when, yeah. Yeah. Anything you're going to do, you want to do it. That's me. I'm speed. If I'm in a vehicle, how fast does it go? How how fast does this go? Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out. Oh, he's so, pushing it. Yep. And, and, and his his mother has not had a real, you know, satisfying life. <laughs> because between the two of us. Keep her a little on enough, her toes. Enough trips to the hospital and emergency room <laughs> yeah. for her, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's, between the two of us, there's a thick file. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I would say that makes sense for people that want to strap a fan on their back and a parachute and start flying over stuff. You probably got the experience of, yeah, you've, yeah, you don't just start by not having that background of having the, uh, the yeah. dirt bikes and the adrenaline fix and needing that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's not just normal people that get into flying. It's usually people that are, you know, want way that more rush. people that I talk to say, Nope, I'm good with both feet on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> they, they don't even they don't even want to. They, nope. they have no they know no nothing desire. about it. But as soon as they learn a little bit about it, they're just like, no. <laughs> well, dope. It was good to have you guys come on and talk about that. We'll uh, get wrapped up here and uh, once again, just I guess say what your names are and uh, tell people who you were. I'm Alex, uh, and this is my dad, Jim, and we fly yeah fly powered paragliders and like flying together around Silver Lake. So yeah, if you see them, give them a wave. So. Yeah, if you if you see us, wave at us. Come talk to us about it. Yeah. If you have any other questions, you know we love talking about paramotors. So yeah, one one last thing I would say too is, uh, uh, I think the two of us are really lucky. Yeah, <laughs> to be able to yeah to you to know? kind yeah. of do, have a hobby like I you guys a, have. I, I, I got a kid that wants to do something with me like that. Yeah, you know? no, it's pretty and, special. And he talked me into it. And uh, so I'm lucky for him talking me into it, and he's lucky for you know me to be able to do it with him, and and it's 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 a, it's a good duo, it's a good time. We have a yeah. lot of good experiences, and that's uh that's kind of lucky, you know. I we both got our health, and we can both got the finances to be able to do it, and yeah, uh, that's that's a combination that uh, uh you know not everybody has. Yep. Just, yeah, so. especially when it comes to flying, I don't really know a whole lot of people that you know son and father. I can only imagine. Yeah, you you. You or two have images of, you know, images and views of destinations that, you know, let alone people won't ever have. And you have, you know, a bond together of being yeah. able to see yeah. them together. And that's one of those things of, yeah, you literally could talk Not just to yourselves about, about it, that. We've done it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you.